Good evening, this is Sean Masters, the voice of Beacon on The Voice of Hope. You are tuning in for part two of my discussion with Sean Roberson, the uh, line developer for Savage Rifts, and we're going to be picking up where we left off last time, and we're going to start talking about Mars. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I hope everybody else is doing good, too, listening to this. Oh, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're uh, nose down actually in uh, Arcana and Mysticism right now, or like you, getting ready to head up to Gen Con. So. Yep, yep, yep. Hopefully a little bit of both. <laughs> okay, so last time we went through all the uh, named iconic frameworks uh, just because of the specifics and your overall design philosophy, and also talked uh, some things about uh, arcane backgrounds and stuff like that. So tonight we're going to start with Mars. So uh, in the past, uh, Mars, of course, was how we kind of consolidated a lot of the other quote-unquote less powerful OCCs from Palladium Rifts. And historically, they were a package that you tacked on with Seasons and uh, Fortune and Glory. Now, some of the things, of course, uh, Heroes Journey rolls are decreased a little bit. That dial that you were talking about that's going to be in the uh, GM's handbook, same thing with Fortune and Glory has been dialed down some. But you were kind of, in other interviews, you've talked about how you're trying to make uh, certain things in the Mars a little bit special to those packages as well. Yeah, so we've walked back the the starting power level of the heroes in this edition a little bit, um, and I know that that's controversial whenever we change anything, but um, I think it's important that we make sure that, that there's a little more room for a little more tension in the setting, um, especially as we move forward with expanding... Uh, the horizons beyond just the conflict between the coalition and the Federation of Magic with the Tomorrow Legion being caught there in the middle geographically and thematically. I think there's a lot of other things going on in North America. And then as you move throughout the globe, even more things are going on. A lot of that revolves around survival horror or cosmic horror. Um, and so those are important themes that we, to get them right, we have to have the right power level for the heroes. So in the upcoming updates, just to let everyone know for the Game Master's Handbook, we have added a list of power levels that you can start a campaign at. And so I think that people will really enjoy that. And if you want to go with the, we've called it Big Damn Heroes, if you want to go with the power level that's more akin to the previous edition of Rifts for Savage Worlds, it's right there. It tells you exactly how to do it on the tin. You can just knock it out. It's very simple. But um, in, overall, we have dialed things back a little bit, and we're trying to find that right sweet spot for the Mars. As we speak, the next update for the Tomorrow Legion Player's Guide will increase the Mars uh, um, Fortune and Glory rolls to two for each Mars class um, as opposed to one. So there is a little bit of a bump up above what people will see right now in the current playtest document. So they'll have two heroes journey rolls or sorry, three heroes journey rolls and two fortune and glory rolls. Um, now the other thing that um, I'm, and I think I may have dialed it back. So it was two fortune and glory and two heroes journey rolls. Um, but uh, we'll get that out to everybody and you'll be able to take a look at that and, and uh, play, play a little bit and see how you feel about it. But uh, yeah, the idea here is that we did increase the power level 
and leveled the the build points of the Mars classes a bit as well. Um, you know, sorry to use the word class, the evil word class, but um, I'm just using it for convenience sake. Um, but whether you're playing a city rat or a, cy- a body fixer cyber doc or an operator or doing power armor ace or a vagabond, you'll notice that um, a lot of them have had a, a few more points put into them. So they should come out around 16 build points. The Rogue Scholar is still a little weird. Uh, it's got a lot of build points, but you're also focusing a lot of these these skill points on non-combat skills. And so I think it still works for the Rogue Scholar. Um, and then, yeah, we've we've gone through and, and um, added specialized abilities for a lot of the a lot of the Mars packages so that they now your you can take a body fixer or cyber doc and they're going to allow your character to do something a little bit different, a little bit special to keep keep them separate from everything else. I don't think that's necessary for every single Mars package, but for instance, we are working on uh doing the same thing for the robot vehicle ace and the power armor ace to make them a little more differentiated than a lot of people might say, well, why wouldn't I just play a glitter boy? Right. So um, there's going to be a little bit of difference there. Okay, cool. Good to know. Um, so let's start, of course, uh, starting at the beginning of the alphabet, the body fixer slash cyber doc, of course, uh, historically is the, the doctor of uh, riffs. How is this one different than what the original uh, first quote unquote, first edition uh, body fixer cyber doc looked like? Yeah, so this one's a bit different. Um, the way that we've applied now, this, there's a lot of skills have shifted in names, and we've also shifted the application a little bit so that as, as instead of with our our update to the adventure edition, I think that the the adventure edition skills, the adventure edition edges. Uh, well, I, I take that back on the edges, but especially with the adventure edition skills. Um, we really don't need to add any extra skills to Savage Rifts. I think that uh, that with the skills and with the powers, we can we you know we can we can uh, do whatever we need to do pretty much. Um, and anything that we can't do through skills and powers, we can do through edges. So in this case, uh, the skills have shifted a tad, and to make sure that the characters are able to work on cybernetics and things like that, and uh, at the same time, we've also differentiated them. So you can either choose uh, to play as a body fixer or a cyber doc. And the, the big difference is a body fixer will get a free roll re-roll on healing and science checks, uh, science checks made for biology. And then the cyber deck, the cyber doc gains um, a free re-roll on checks to install or repair cybernetics. So that way they're a little more differentiated from each other without, you know, basically typing up two different packages that look almost exactly the same. Yeah, that's uh, pretty difficult considering, you know, I mean, ultimately they both kind of do the same thing, right? You work on people, whether they're uh, mechanical or biological. So, uh, of course, in Palladium, they were had very, very finite uh, blood down to what skills and all that kind of stuff, even though they overlapped a lot. Sure, and in this case, um, before they had healing uh, knowledge cybernetics and knowledge medicine. So instead, we've replaced um, the knowledge cybernetics with repair and electronics, and then the knowledge medicine with science. And so, yeah, it's it's. I think it's a pretty good way to do it. And obviously, as you make your hero's journey and fortune and glory rolls, 
<clears throat> and build out your character with your four advances, you're going to get very different characters depending on what you're trying to focus on. Kind of jumping a little bit into rules and stuff, uh, rules and how they're applied, the new way you guys have done like non-standard physiology with the DBs does generally affect how healing roles apply to those uh, characters. Is that correct? That is correct. So as you have different, uh, you, you're correct. As you um, look through, as we go through the DBs in a minute, we'll talk about it um, a little more, but essentially your DBs have di- different levels of differing f- physiology. So for instance, they can have a near human physiology and that's usually for DBs or mutants that come from Earth's earth or are very close to it. Like say your elves, or your dwarves, um, very near human. And then you've got some that are more alien, and then you've got some that are just plain bizarre. And so those will those will give penalties when someone is trying to affect healing or make cybernetics rolls for them, which is basically a healing role as well. Um, the the exception is is when once they they have gained familiarity, and without again writing up a whole bunch of stuff that I don't I don't want to burden. You know, that's part of our the design philosophy of suede is that we don't want to just go too far with the comprehensive modifiers. We've got pretty comprehensive modifiers to give you a guideline, but after that it's up to the game master to decide when the attendant physician has become familiar with the biology of their patient. Right. Cool. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, there are some of the rules and with fear that if you've experienced it, uh, experience something for the first time, you got to make a fear check, but later on you don't. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, it's like saluting in the military. Do you <laughs> line up a bunch of enlisted guys in front of the commander as he walks down a, a, a path or a hallway so that he has to keep saluting everyone? Um, but uh, yeah, it's the same kind of thing, you know, just because if you don't just trickle in demons so that people have to make fear checks over and over and over again for the exact same demon. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's some similar kind of idea. Um, you know, game masters can use their best judgment, but I mean, obviously even if someone's got pretty, you know, alien physiology, uh, if your body fixer or cyber doc or whoever is constantly healing them, constantly working on them every, every, every battle, I could see that changing very quickly that that modifier is going to diminish and then go away. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so the city rat, of course, uh, city rat really is kind of like your your shadow runner, partially cybernetic, like breaking B and E person. Uh, it's kind of the seems to be the general vibe of them. Is that what you guys were looking for with the doing this? Absolutely. So with the city rat, um, we wanted to go back to the roots, and there's a few there's a few cool new edges and that uh, we could apply here. So you've got your you've got three stain strain total of, in cybernetics. Um, it's a one less than previously, but uh, you've got access to the scrounger streetwise streetwise and thief edges, as well as some starting skill points in electronics, intimidation and thievery. Um, and on top of that, we wanted to emphasize the sort of, a lot of times they're very gang oriented or, um, uh, they're they're part of that popular culture that is uh, that it exists in the cities of the far future, and so uh, the of the rifts far future, the post apocalyptic far future. So they've also get get a set of leather clothing um, in trending fashion or gang colors 
a, a vibro knife and a modern weapon. And the reason for the modern firearm is that modern firearms are generally not as restricted inside um, the arcologies and mega cities of Rift's Earth, as opposed to a lot of laser and plasma and all those types of weapons are outlawed because of how much damage, catastrophic damage they could do to the to the 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 um, the life support and other, and various systems in the, in that kind of environment. Yeah. That makes sense. It is one of the more interesting uh, outliers for the starting gear. Yeah. So hopefully that'll be that'll stay interesting for everyone. <laughs> All right. So the Headhunter Techno Warrior. You know, it's kind of it's interesting that they in Palladium Rifts. You know, they originally had the Headhunter, and then I forget which book it was where you end up having like five or six different subtypes of headhunter but this one is more of like a kind of the cross between the merc soldier and the cyborg is what it looks like yeah so in the original rifts and then in the rifts ultimate edition you had the headhunter techno warrior um in the previous edition of savage rifts it was called the cybernetic techno warrior but i think that a lot of rifts fans um they know what headhunter is and it has a lot of meaning in the setting so we decided to go back to that title. Um, I'm loath. Usually I, I try to avoid changing the names of, of things unnecessarily, um, unless I think there's there's something important to that. Um, that and you're thinking of, I think it was uh, Canada. Rifts Canada has has a bunch of different yeah. variants of the Headhunter. And um, so anyways, yeah, this one is basically your quintessential merc soldier type of headhunter usually a partial reconstruction cyborg or something like that um so you begin with iron jaw the soldier edge and the upgradable edge and then you get six total strain in cybernetics um and a suit of for starting gear you you get a a boost to the bushman environmental body armor a vibro short sword and a, a laser rifle with a with grenade launcher. So that is a big big boost in the starting equipment for this character, as well as six points of strain worth of cybernetics. So, uh, side question: Does do you have to be a full conversion like combat cyborg to use cyborg armor, or could somebody like the headhunter actually use cyborg armor? Yeah, that's a good question. So, as it's written right now. Um, you would need to be a full conversion cyborg in order to use the cyborg body armor. Um, and I, I, I do welcome feedback. If anybody has opinions on this or thoughts, um, I would like feedback. Uh, please go to the, you know, the pinnacle entertainment forums and let us know if you think that, that, you know, there might be a, you have reasons that you think it would be better to do it some other way. But right now that is, is the, um, is the the reasoning uh, behind that? Um, that's the way it is, and the reason behind that is that um, I didn't want it to be too easy to just say if you took three armor upgrades, now you can wear cyborg body armor. It seems like there should be a lot of other. Uh, there should be. There should be the, part of it's the enhanced strength and the reinforced, the reinforced skeletal frame and all those things. And so, without without providing a, a really extensive list of cybernetics that you'd have to get in order to to qualify for wearing cyborg body armor um i decided just to go with the simpler solution of of um of leaving it the way it was because generally in 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 the previous rifts editions partial reconstruction cyborg body armor 
I mean, there were some suits, but it was they usually you would see partial reconstruction cyborgs just wearing the heavier versions of body armor that because of their enhanced strength and stuff like that that could be found in the setting. Awesome. Yeah, I just figured I'd ask that question. Uh, going along no, with that, though, uh, definitely is the Merc Soldier. So you're actually, uh, when uh, the original Merc sourcebook came out, there was a lot of really good OCCs that just dealt with regular type soldiers, not converted or anything like that. So I think this uh, package actually captures that pretty good. Yeah, this one's pretty cool. And... Um... With this was one of the ones that gained a bit with some of the increases in in points and the leveling pass that we did. So in general, this has got a few more edges at its disposal. So uh, and and with that, I also thought it would be interesting to open up the three um, the three edges to combat or leadership edges. So that if you wanted your merc soldier to be say a sergeant or a lieutenant or something like that you could very easily enact that character concept using this framework. Yeah, I actually like that addition um, with the new suede version and kind of the tweaks they made to the leadership edges. I think that is going to go a long way because you don't see many people going down that path or they're going to be uh, like in my game, we actually had a rogue scientist who went down the leadership path and he's like, hey, I've got all this knowledge. I can feed you information. But it was kind of a different view on on the kind of combat leader. Yeah, the leadership edges in the Adventure Edition are awesome. And so I really wanted to make sure that we had something that could provide, you know, provide them um, easy access onto the table. And I think that uh, players will, especially if you're, if you have allies and, um, you know, or hire some, you know, mercenaries or whatever with your group that you're going to, or even just in a, a decently sized uh, gaming party or adventure party. Excuse me. Um, I think you're going to find that, that this that this this character or you know another character that takes uh, advantage of the leadership edges it could be very powerful. Um, um, yeah, I, we I don't we don't want to div- dive into all the details there um, of all the edges. Everybody could read those in Savage Worlds, but um, but yeah, they're really great. And I think that um, also another way for game masters to ride this home is to um, is to use the in, in Empires of Humanity we have the coalition lieutenant um and so they come with a bunch of leadership edges and so use those and use them to your advantage and and maybe the players will catch on as well <laughs> but i think it brings a lot to the table when you when you do have those edges in play well, that's cool uh- I mean, talking about um, the Cyber Knight I'm running actually is kind of balanced. I'm trying to find that fine line balance between combat edges and leadership edges because the Cyber Knight also seems like one of those um, character types that would be a leader on the battlefield, but the actual way it's designed, of course, it's designed more for that melee combat specialist. Sure, yeah. Straight out the box, you're definitely a melee combat specialist, but... Yeah, I mean, just like any Savage Worlds game, you get a few advances under your belt and you can be whatever you want, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of the system. It's not as close to, say, uh, a D20-based system. Correct. All right, so the so, operator. Um, 
one of the uh, comments that is on the board quite a bit is the uh, removal of the weapon systems from the uh, operator's vehicles. But uh, other than that, it seems to be fairly in line with what was defined before. Yeah, um, that is correct. The The problem with the 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 just adding mods worth of weapon systems um, is that that can be problematic when I wanted to open up the choice for the player so they could choose any kind of vehicle as opposed to limiting them to a choice of one of two vehicles in the core book. Uh, we have three wonderful world books coming out. There's a lot more material coming. And there's also the, the Tomorrow Legion field guide um, that's coming up as well as other world books and uh, supplements, source books in the future. And so I thought it would be a lot more fun to allow the operator to choose one non-robot vehicle of choice. And, I mean, there's plenty of non-robot vehicles that have a lot of weapon systems. So I don't think that this is really going to be very limiting to players when they look at the options beyond the, the Tomorrow Legion Player's Guide. I guess that does make sense. Theoretically, if the GM allowed it, you could become an operator and take a Death's Head Transport, for example. Ooh, I mean, I don't. I would be very careful about the GM allowing you to choose any vehicle that's not listed in a normal vehicle section. <laughs> I agree. I just, uh, you know, but I could go. see, I could see the Mark V APC. Cool. Um, yeah, it's the operator's pretty, pretty standard, um, and I think it brings the operator concept to life pretty well. So, cool. Uh, so personal concept, this is one, uh, online, there has been some comments of, oh, hey, this, this one has gotten cut a little bit, but also beforehand, this one was definitely one of the ones that got the most feedback on, hey, I can just take a personal concept and I can make a mage that's more powerful than a leyline walker or a psychic that's more powerful than a mind melter. Right. So with the upcoming increase to two fortune and glory rolls. Um, I think that this this is now once again a very viable option. Um, there is a balance that needs to be made, though, right? If if the personal concept option makes a better mind melter than a mind melter, or a better leyline walker than a leyline walker, you've you, you've got problems, I think. Um, and so this is one of those things where it's a it's a delicate balancing act. But um, part of what we do have here is a lot of extra cash for this character actually um they get one body armor of their choice and uh they have 66 times a thousand credits and gear or valuables that they can choose so that you still have the option to do something pretty out of the box you know or uh, outside the box that you can start with um some really cool options there um but uh yeah i think it's it's balancing this one is tough right um it, sometimes when someone complains about the problem with you know with one thing it's because it, you know the balance is really somewhere else right so if people are saying you know the 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 mind melter's too weak well it's really because the personal concept option maybe was too strong before so this is this is an attempt to to bring that all back in line 
Now, if if memory serves, in the when there was just the change note word documents, you actually had a section talking about how to say bring in a character from say Deadlands, and the recommendation was basically build the Deadlands character when you bring him to Rifts, apply the personal concept to that character. Is that still kind of the viable way of doing that? That's basically what it is. Um, that is being added back in in the next update for the Tomorrow Legion Players Guide. So. Um, you guys will be able to see that it was accidentally cut. So we'll be getting that back in there for everybody to take a look at soon. Cool. In one of the previous podcasts some folks were like, well, how do I play a beast and barbarians like Conan, the barbarian character and riffs? They don't seem like they would be viable. And basically I did exactly that. I built like a, a, a like an orc berserker in shine tar and then tacked on the personal concept option to them and, you know, gave them like a vibro sword or something like that. Yeah, and there's if you want to do something like that, I think that uh, Blood and Banes is going to be really cool because it has the um, the steel tree weapons and weapons made from dinosaur hide and bone and things like that, um, and literally uh, a mutant barbarian Mars entry. So if you want to do something like that, there's gonna we're gonna we do have that um, prepped for everybody to use. But if you want to do something from another dimension or I mean, still, they can feel free to use, to, uh, to use those rules as well. Power Armor Ace. This one and the robot, uh, the robot armor vehicle Ace have kind of, there's been some controversy online dealing with how the uh, rich and very rich edges kind of allow people to do this. Yeah, so that's why we took that away. <laughs> I think it's an interesting idea to, to, to allow... Um, so the for for anyone listening that may not be familiar with it, um, there the rich edge lets you gives you extra cash and extra items to start with, or you can trade uh, well through hero's journey rolls, um, or you can trade in some hero's journey rolls to get a vehicle, or trade in enough hero's journey rolls and you can get a power armor or a suit of uh, robot or a robot vehicle as opposed to a suit of power armor. Um, and I think that the the amount of points that that cost, just two edges, was too low. And that was a big part of that discussion. And I think it was an important discussion to have. Um, so that is that is going away. Um, we've done a balancing pass on those two edges. Um, but uh, as far as the power armor soldier and the robot armor pilot, part of the discussion also centered around how much, how many build points is it worth for them to get a suit of power armor? How many build points is it worth for them to get a robot vehicle? And so uh, that's a, that thing that's also a really important discussion. Um, and how interesting is it to play as a robot, uh, a robot vehicle ace or a, a power armor ace? And so th- those are, we are going to be adding, um, and we are taking feedback right now, we're going to be adding a special ability to both the power armor ace and the robot vehicle ace. So if you have any ideas, or any feedback feedback on that, please visit our forums. But uh, yeah, we we do want to make sure that these are interesting character options uh, to game with that are balanced. Um, you know, when you consider the theoretical number of points it might you know character build points it would take to to acquire a robot vehicle or a suit of power armor. So, Psy Operator. So, in basic riffs, uh, Palladium riffs, it kind of seemed like the Psy Operator and the Techno Wizard were kind of like two different sides of the same same coin. Um, how 
is the Psy operator working uh, any differently in Savage Rifts? Right. So in Savage Rifts, the Psy operator, um, you take, you get, you begin with Psionics and the and the arcane background for Psionics, and then you use the Gadgeteer Edge, but it's operated with the Psy, the Psionic skill and the Psy, Psy operator's ISP to create the devices. Um, it's a little different take on it, but I, I like it. Um, I think it's been it's it's a good option. I haven't heard any negative feedback about it, um, and the Psy operator can still go go for it and get the power edge. The uh, you can get the uh, tele telemechanics power edge, and so I think that it's a it's a worthy it's a worthy path for an operator in in the rift setting. Basically, you gain the psionics and you sacrifice. You have much of the same skills, um, but you sacrifice the the, the choice of vehicle and um, a little bit more of the specialization with skills and, and an edge. The robot vehicle ace, we kind of wrapped up with the uh, power armored ace. And so unless there's anything else you want to add for that one specifically. Nah. Okay, rogue scientist or rogue scholar. You could also go slash scientist. Um, this was definitely one of the more interesting ones, just because they got tons of skill points. Um, how other than changes to skills, was there any ways that this uh, Mars character changed from the first edition? A little bit. The rogue scholar. One of the big changes is that they get the originally they got the scholar edge and it was linked to to smarts based skills. Well, the scholar edge changed, right? And uh, and now it it doesn't link to two skills. You have to take it twice if you want to apply two skills. So that meant that if you when you're doing your math on the build points for the character, that uh, there was two points right there that just disappeared with the update to the adventure edition. Um, they also began with uh, high streetwise and uh, and the investigator edge and uh, a high research or investigation. So a little bit of that was those power those uh, build points uh, were, were 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 dialed back a little bit there, so that um, the rogue scholar uh, has research D six and the investigator edge as opposed to. Um, Investigation D8, Streetwise D8, and the Investigator Edge. So just that's where that 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 economy of points changed a little bit. Okay, um, I guess more of a game master question for you with the research role, you know, because Suede research is more like you're in a library on the internet kind of thing for for using that skill, whereas now Notice is more of the looking around an area. How would you work that for a rogue scholar like that's more out in a, in a rural like wilderness environment, doing some kind of uh, like trying to solve a or solve some kind of problem? Yeah, so the rogue scholar is a scholar. I don't think that they were. I don't think that the the framework was intended to necessarily be Sherlock Holmes. So if you want to build Sherlock Holmes, you've got four advances, a couple of roles on the Fortune and Glory and Heroes Journey tables to pad out those skills. But I think that you know, short answer is the Rogue Scholar needs to you know put some points into the survival and and notice edges. 
or notice skills, right? So uh, I think that's if you want to be out in the field, <laughs> you need to put some points into survival and you want to notice things then or be persuasive, uh, deal with well with people, whatever you want to do. If that's your character concept, then um, you need to put some points into those. But they get a, they do get plus six skill points to begin with. So you've got a lot of fodder there as well. But uh, but yeah, the the number of points that did need to be dialed back a little bit. And I think you can still accomplish all those different types of character concepts. You just need to put your points into it. Or, you know, the next two Mars tend to be uh, those, possibly for those areas, the Vagabond and the Wilderness Scout. So your hobo with a shotgun is what everybody says the Vagabond normally is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... And then again, that's one of those things where where um, when, when I went over the design philosophy, one of the things is to emphasize themes and, and character role diversity. So... Uh, if 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 one one framework or one Mars package does everything or does a wide swath of things, then you're taking away from other ones. So this is in this case, you know, the choice was made to instead of dial back their scholar edge taken twice, right, and their smart space skills and their skill point bonuses um, with the rogue scholar, uh, we dialed back in that other sphere where they were kind of. Bl- leading over into other territory um, that other Mars frameworks might might occupy. Um, now with the Vagabond, though, this really is the case of his... The special thing about him is that he can do anything, right? Um, with the gifted ability of Vagabond, they make all unskilled checks at D4 instead of D4 minus 2. Um, there was... A, I, I mean, I think that's a great ability. They also gained a couple of, of points of um of uh build points here so that uh you also have the elon edge paired with luck i think that's going to make the character um really awesome in in the situations where they need to pull the luck out and i think it's going to fit the character concept uh and we also gave one additional role on the experience and wisdom hero's journey table this is just one of those frameworks where um there, when you, you added up the points, it was it was a little shy of where it needed to be, especially since it's not very combat focused. Um, similar to the Rogue Scholar, it it needed a little bit of a buff in total build points versus other other Mars packages that, that usually average out to sixteen. This one's just a slightly different. Yep, that makes sense. Um, and it was one of those with the first edition as well that everybody's like, "Oh, well, I'll just take a vagabond and I can do anything I want." <laughs> yeah, I mean you still can. You're just not going to be really good at it, right? It's the jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, and it's always good to have that kind of character around uh for certain situations where people are overly specialized. So the wilderness scout. Um this is one that the original design team kind of said was probably one of the more lethal combat uh individuals in the game just because of some of the combination of skills. Um other than maybe the die type to vigor, it doesn't seem like too much has changed. Well, they had one, a die type to vigor before. Oh, so okay. um, the let me see. The, the big changes here is that uh, they start with um, a little bit better athletics and common knowledge. Um, their notice is D, D8 instead of D6. 
Um, they gained stealth D6. They didn't have stealth before. And previously they had stealth D8 or survival D8 and tracking D8. And now that's just survival D8. So I think that this is a little more, there's, it's quite a, quite a bit of starting skills, but, uh, I think it works very well for the wilderness scout. And, um, yeah, they've still got fleet footed in the woodsman edge. Um, the big change is their gear. They previously, they started with the crazy starting gear. So instead now they start with, um, the standard starting gear plus a vibro short sword and a JA 11 energy rifle, which as you know, is the one that has two different alternate fire modes where you can fire it as an, uh, short, shorter range ion weapon or low single load hand load cartridges into it as if it were a, a sniper rifle. Nice. All right. So, uh, of course, the one thing that all the Mars have in common is fortune and glory. So any major changes to the fortune and glory table other than the number of rolls on it? So right now, the fortune and glory table um, is largely the same. There was a slight balancing pass over it, but there weren't many big changes made to it. Um, There are big changes coming, though. Uh, We we want to expand this table to uh, fill out the page. I don't know if we'll get to, I don't know if we can fit 20 entries, but we can get something close to that. So we would like to have a full, a full range of different possibilities for the fortune and glory table. And I have made a post on the forums asking for ideas and feedback. Um, there's been some really great submissions by users online. And so we would like to fill this out so that there's just a lot, lot more interesting results that you can get um, previously with only there's really only 11 results because the 12th result, you get two rolls on the cha- on the hero's journey tables of your choice. Um, so with only 11 results, and then a lo- you know uh, previously in the previous edition, if you chose, for instance, the uh, personal concept option, that was a lot of rolls on a table with only so many results on it. And so uh, we're we're trying to make sure that this has this table has a little more diversity and it's a little more interesting to roll on. Um, so that if you have a, a, a team that's made up primarily of of Mars package characters or iconic frameworks, then uh, that they don't they don't repeat their their fortune and glory table results so much. That's understandable. Uh, anything else you want to say concerning just iconic frameworks across the board before we press on to other items? No, I mean we've gotten some really great feedback so far, so I'm 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 happy with with that, um, and and the the feedback we've been getting. Uh, I think everybody just keep in mind that it's you know that uh, it's 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 about there's a lot of things going on, right? You've got for the Mars frameworks, you've got also got your Fortune and Glory roles, um, and as well as four advances. And uh, if you want if you want to have different build options, then one of the really strong ways is to to take the the hero's journey rolls and sacrifice, you know, say so you can take two of them for the choice of one hero's journey table result of whatever you want. Most frameworks start with two hero's journey rolls. So keep that, keep that in your back pocket. If you have a specific character build um, or character concept that you want to enact, that is the, one of those primary ways that you can do it because there's some really interesting results on those hero's journey tables that you can leverage for unique character, uh, unique character builds. So one of the concepts that you built was kind of reshaping the uh, revised edition for things to come. 
based off of the existing Mars, how did the Mars from the uh, America Armageddon books kind of be shaped based off the way Mars is being uh, was established? I think that Mars is a really interesting Mars packages as opposed to iconic frameworks provide a really interesting way for players to get a unique start start with their character, build out some a character that's a little more experienced than say your a lot of your iconic frameworks start out. Um and so they can really they can really shine, but you've you it leaves the player a lot of leeway to to customize that character as they as they play in the in a campaign or actually you know you can customize them a lot more even just during character creation right so um that's that's one of those sweet spots that we found a lot of times was if if it if something wasn't quite unique or crazy enough that we we thought that it should it would work well as an iconic framework the mars packages was a lot of times the the way the the direction we went with uh, arcane and mysticism out just so people know we are looking at the the battle the high magus and the lord magus from dwemer the combat mage psy druid psy slinger one of my favorites psy warrior shaman and spirit warrior um, which i'm sure we'll talk about some other time yeah <laughs> could you tell us one um Mars package that's coming out from one of the other two books that uh, you're most excited about. Personally, since um, I I primarily wrote Empires of Humanity, um, the one one of the ones that I'm really excited about is um, let me see. There's a couple of them that I really like, but uh, I think that um, well, I'll just go. I'll just do a quick overview of some of them. There's the RCSG scientist is coming up, and so they have the ability to recognize the arcane with just their trained eye and their skill, their knowledge of, of the supernatural um, as well as the access to the monster slayer edge, which is a way that they can help themselves and others uh, identify weaknesses and gain bonuses to trait roles against uh, monsters that you might be fighting. Um, I also enjoyed working on the commando. I think that's one's going to be if people want to play that, I don't know. There's sometimes there's that allure of playing the the normal human that's keeping up with the juicers and the crazies, and I think Delta that Force is going to be the way to do that, right? Um, and then uh, yeah, we've got there's a lot of fun with them, but uh, those are all I think a lot of a, a lot of fun, and those are the two that I think will be really interesting. But I mean, they're all pretty cool. Awesome. Okay, so after talking Iconic Frameworks, let's talk uh, DBs and Mutants. So uh, definitely had a lot of the uh, DBs that were added in as part of the original Kickstarter. Um, how has the DBs and Mutants uh, chapter changed overall, and then the specifics that you kind of saw as you went through it for your first couple passes? Yeah, so the <laughs> there was a big change because the rules for building custom races, which used to reside in the deluxe edition sci-fi companion, have been moved to the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition core rulebook, which I think is awesome. A big, awesome update for the new edition. A I big agree. reason to enjoy it and check it out. But um, 
the part of the the and it's been it's it's really a great a great been a great resource um but it was also a challenge because then we needed to pare down what was listed in this book and make sure that we weren't doing the same the same you know repeating work doing the same work twice um at the same time that gave us a little bit more space to to uh expand on some of the the different um, basically we've added negative new negative racial abilities. We don't have any, uh, that, that aren't, don't appear in the adventure edition. We don't have any that, uh, any positive racial abilities. Um, I think that's pretty well done in, in there. So the new negative racial abilities generally center around a lot of the special, um, considerations of what, of, 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 you know, different, different, uh, races existing on Rift's earth. And so, um, a real big change here is that um, previously you had the uh, the outsider hindrance, um, and it was ported over to the distinctive DB. We are going to be renaming that to just DB. Uh, we are having so the DBs, and we're also adding the mutants. We're going to add an entry here for mutants, um, and that will be coming in the next update for the TLPG. But uh, that way, it, and we've we've worked on this phrasing quite a bit to make sure that it's easy for game masters and players alike to understand how they can apply these hindrances in the Rift setting in general. Um, whereas previously, the language was very focused on how to apply it in the context of, say, Arkansas and Missouri, where you're primarily dealing with the Federation of Magic and the Coalition only. Now we've rephrased it so that it's very clear. I, I, I think it's very clear. I hope it's very clear to people um, how you would apply it as you might adventure beyond that that um, that more focused area of gameplay that, that the previous edition focused on. Um, and let's see. Uh, so there's the non-standard build is another thing that's, that's changed. Um, so that it's it, it can encompass characters that uh, have all different types, whether they have extra wings or just weird weird proportions, or they're big and giant. Um, we've we've updated the the uh, the uh, rules there to be for clarity and, and and ease of use. And then we also have non-standard physiology, which is there and it's designed to focus on how it might be difficult to try and heal someone that doesn't have human or even earth-like physiology and also some of the inherent uh you know having a different physiology some of the inherent change that would that might that might uh involve including if you have really bizarre physiology you're not going to human designed juicer and crazy augmentations aren't going to work for you right um and cybernetics if they're not from whatever your 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 dimension of origin is, uh, or if it's not specifically designed for you by somebody who is really <laughs> driven to, to do that, um, then you're, then you're going to have a hard time um, getting compatible cybernetic and or medical supplies and services. I actually like that, uh, you guys spelled that out. Um, and there's some discussion on the board about it, but you know, historically in palladium riffs, uh, juicer and crazy augmentation was human only like they couldn't originally even do it to like dog boys and that's what made things like uh the broad kill so interesting is that they could do that stuff whereas no one else could 
I, you know, there's sometimes when it's it, the canon is important, right? And that's one of our core pillars is staying true to the game design um, and the story created by by Kevin Simbietta. Um And in this in this case, um, it, it, there, there, you know, there's the temptation to just say X, Y, Z, DBs or mutants or whatever can or can't use it, and we found it on this page of this source book, you know, from 15 years ago or whatever, right? Um, but I don't think that's necessarily the, the the right approach or the most elegant approach. So instead, uh, we had it center around the physiology of the of the race, so that as we as we move throughout, and and I think it helps give gives the game master um, a framework for dealing with it, right? So not that there aren't, you know, as you read through the books, there's ever increasing different variations of humanoids that uh, might have the crazy or juicer augmentations applied to them, but it's, it's usually, I mean, that, that requires a lot of effort and research in the setting. Um, and so these, these frame, these, uh, um, guidelines should help players and game masters alike to understand how that works. Um, and so that it's a very clear option too, when you, if you're going to play a, um, as a race, that doesn't that that has non-standard physiology. That is very clear to you from the get-go. What uh, what the repercussions of that? What the mechanical repercussions of that are? Without getting into something some crazy system um, that involves tons and tons and tons of modifiers and specific lists and things like that. Fast, furious, and fun. That's the goal. Exactly. And as you said, I think it was with the uh, SavageRifts.com interview, after seeing Arcana and Mysticism, I'm looking forward to playing a crazy Psyghost. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh... <laughs> so the Altara Warrior Women, uh, one of the big changes with this one was the addition of minor, uh, minor psionics. Um, but if you would like to uh, delve into the changes for this race. Yeah, so when we're going through um, and looking at a lot of this, um, there's also like a minor change that people may or may not notice is um, deals with the, the the fact that they do have eyes, that they're but they're sightless. They're blind, sightless eyes. Um, you know, just trying to make sure that... Um, that we again are as true to the original canon as we can be, um, and to include all the abilities that they may have had. Um, now the Altara do reproduce by cloning for anyone who's not familiar with the, the race. Um, and so that's why they all come with psionics, but it's very established psionic powers that they begin with. Um, and so just making sure that, uh, that was, uh, executed correctly. Um, and making sure that uh, their instilled ignorance previously provided a minus one to all smarts-based trait rolls and skills. Um, and now that instilled ignorance is a penalty to common knowledge rolls, um, which I think um, with, you know, we've got new options. There's new racial, um, negative racial ability options in the Adventure Edition. And so uh, we've been keen to leverage that in a way that most clearly communicates uh, their their history and the the, the unique the unique race uh, that that the Altara provide as a player option. 
Yeah, I think the uh, the now skills that you get for free, that actually is a very interesting uh, mechanic that you can now modify to apply to some of the different uh, uh, races that are available. Yeah, and, and the other thing to remember is that because of they gained, in a lot of the, the cases with these um, different races, you're going to find that they have a few more build points that we needed to do something with. <laughs> um, and part of that is because of the addition of the, the different um, non, non-standard physiologies that you can take. So with the Altara, for instance, their near-human physiology, that gives you a couple more points to deal with. Um, you may notice that the Altara begin with minor psionic, the arcane background minor psionic, and they don't get the skill to use it. So unless you put some skill points into that, you're using it unskilled. That's interesting. I did not notice that. All right. The Denor Devilmen, as they are referred to, um, very magically uh, enhanced or focused. Of course, they have alien physiology. Uh, How else have they been uh, affected with the update so one thing that the Adventure Edition um, has gone away from, it, well, I mean, there's the elimination of charisma altogether, right? So we've gone away from just providing plus one or plus two persuasion type bonuses. And so, um, and I, I think that, the, you know, there's an effort to make sure that the bonuses are more interesting and more thematic. And so, excuse me, in this case, um, they now have, instead of a uh, a charisma bonus, the personable uh, trait that they had before, they now have devilish charmers, and they begin with so they begin with the charismatic edge. Um, that's one of the big differences uh, besides the different uh, the the alien physiology and the distinctive DB. Um, in addition, they do have the race does have horns. So I go ahead. I went ahead and, and added horns as natural weapons that are available to them, um, and so you can actually gore someone with those those forehead horns <laughs> when push comes to shove in rifts. <laughs> okay, that's uh, another good. It's always nice to have little weapons like that for when you're unarmed. So you were saying the distinctive DB. Um, trait that's probably going to change here when you release the next playtested version no i mean it's just been it's been updated the language for the distinctive db has been updated since the previous edition so that's one of those things that we're trying to clear up so that it does it applies to human supremacists in general um as opposed to just coalition states ah okay citizens okay um another thing that it, it cleaned up a bit was the natural arcane affinity. And this doesn't just apply to the Denor, it applies to most of the races in the um, book, that their bonus PPE that they make that they gain um, is you know doesn't isn't um, modified by other edges that might multiply or increase um, PPE. And that was that was um, a, a point of confusion in previous in, in for a lot of previous player uh edition players where they would think well wait so the if i get plus 5 ppe is that doubled by you know this other edge or what happens here or there so i've uh, tried to make sure that that's really clear um with some examples in the text as well okay i can okay. see that 
All right, mutant okay. animals and uh, our favorites, the dog boys. Yes. So for the Psyhound, um, they're largely unchanged. Um, we did break out uh, their bite, and I refer people to the natural weapons and Savage Worlds because, you know, it's really cool. You can use your bite against grappled enemies or prey. Um, but overall, uh, they've, they've added, we've added near human physiology, but, uh, the, the, um, and the, just so everyone knows the outsider, um, negative racial ability or hindrance, however you want to put it is going to be renamed mutant, uh, with some text that is specifically for, uh, specifically describes what it's like being a mutant animal in PA 109. Um, but yeah, uh, generally, these are largely the same. Okay, and going along with that, uh, any change to the uh, breed advantage edges? As of right now, no. There have been some questions about why can it apply to um, smarts or spirit. Um, I mean, I guess it could, um, but uh, I feel like the edge... The breed advantage racial edge is pretty balanced as it is right now. Um, if anyone has any you know strong opinions about it, let's talk about it on the forums because that's something that I'm definitely willing to open up. In fact, that's something that um, that is going to be the breed advantage racial edge is is kind of expanding a bit in scope since in Empires of Humanity we have the mutant rats, mutant bats, the uh, kill cats, and uh, battle cats as options to play as. And so they, they all can take the racial edge breed advantage. Uh, I think all of them, or at least the cats can. So that's an important consideration for, for some of the upcoming mutant animals and future animals um, in making sure that the language works and it's as, as uh, flexible as possible for people being able to players being able to uh, enact the different character concepts that they might have for their mutant animal. Okay, and then uh, with the psychic sense, the in, uh, inherent uh, detect aura or uh, arcana, um, if they go, say go psychic with uh, the dog boy, will they be able to apply like the uh, power modifiers to that? Uh, no. So the 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 idea is that uh, psychic sense works exactly as written here. You can't apply uh, power modifiers to it. It's an innate extra sense that's always active. So um, if anyone thinks that there's anything needs to be deconflicted here, um, please talk with us on the forums so that we can discuss that. But we want this to be, it's not something that should grow or change as the character develops. Okay. And that's the same for the size stalker as well. Correct. Okay. And the Finodi. All right. Um, Fanodi are largely the same. Um, again, they're, they're, some of these, we needed to change some of the, the di different powers that they might get um, because of some of the changes to power names or, or you know, uh, that we did eliminate any extra powers that had been added into the game um, from the previous edition. But, uh, but yeah, that's just general overview. But yeah, this is largely the same thing. Okay. Alrighty. The Grackletooth. 
Grackle Teeth. Um, <laughs> definitely one Grackle. of my yeah, definitely one of my favorites. Although uh, obviously a race that is specifically designed for Mars characters. So that is one of the interesting things when you dig into it, you realize, hey, the Grackle Tooth can't take most iconic frameworks uh, that for one reason or another, because they have they're cyber resistant. Um, they, they, uh, you know, they, they can't take, um, where is it? Uh, they don't have the ability to access PPE or ISP. Uh, to, they, so they, they, they're unable to take most iconic frameworks. Um, but, uh, yeah, they basically are going to end up being an, a Mars framework. I guess it's just, if you're a grackle, a tooth that you just having that race is so awesome that it's overpowering. If you were to stack it with an iconic framework. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty sweet. Yeah, pretty sweet. So, um, I, not a lot of big changes here, um, in, in how they're executed. Um, the main difference is a lot of the ways that different things are phrased. Um, they do now have the bizarre physiology. So that uh, should help clarify how um, you might, you know, how they might interact with different types of healing checks and things like that, medical supplies. Um, but overall, uh, they are pretty much the same. Um, they did gain Leaper, the Leaper ability. And. Um, Let's see. Uh, they had, yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, the little bit of, de- de- you know, splitting up the bite and the the claw attacks into separate natural weapons, the way we phrased it, but nothing, nothing huge here. On a complete side note, it's a definitely a, a difficult character to try and find a miniature for. Oh, I bet. Yeah, especially with the, I forget what they call it, those crazy legs they've got. All right, uh, so the Lensereal, Lensreal, however you like to pronounce it, uh, the Cloud Weavers, the Golden Ones. Yeah, Lensreal are largely the same. There is the addition of alien physiology, but um, they, 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 the, the, basically the points they gained from the alien physiology bought back some of their poor ground speed penalty that they had previously. Um, you know, and just looked back at the uh, the original core cannon material and made sure that that fit, and that was it. Psystalkers. Uh, there's been some discussion about uh, that they've got the fleet-footed edge inherently and how that interacts with uh, other editions uh, of the fleet-footed edge. Yeah, so this is one of those places where uh, the best way to probably approach this is to apply... And this will probably be in the next update, I believe. Um, but instead, we're going to be applying the uh, the pace bonus, the pace positive racial ability, instead of the fleet-footed edge here, so that it's just to deconflict, so that they can easily stack and solve that problem for us. Cool. Anything else uh, updated for uh, this pass through? Yeah, so one of the real big changes is the is that we've really um updated how their psychic vampire power works or ability need um works so that uh it should be very clear how they 
feed, what they can feed on. I think there was a big misunderstanding with a lot of players, especially ones that were new to the setting or maybe um, weren't as into the setting previously when they may have gamed um, 20, 30 years ago, right? Um, is that uh, there was a, a misunderstanding of how often, how how common, just how very common, even minor supernatural critters like fairy folk, uh, supernatural like entities like ghosts and spirits and poltergeists, smaller elemental beings, uh, smaller supernatural critters are on Rift's Earth, and so there was this. It created this really weird need for how do we feed the size stalker right? As we're traveling through the wilderness. Well, if you're traveling through the wilderness of Rift's Earth, you, the last person you probably need to worry about feeding is the Psy Stalker, right? Yeah, um, they're fairly well fed. Yeah, they should main, they should remain fairly well fed. So uh, a, a little bit of updates there and then some specifics about how to, how to enact their psychic vampire abilities in combat. Um, and generally it's it's gonna. It's not gonna be super easy to do unless you incapacitate or kill your target. Uh, so the racial edges going along with these. Um, I definitely like hunter. It's. Uh, it definitely has a feel for what the dog boys and side stalkers are supposed to be about. Yeah, I really like the hunter. The two racial edges here: their controlled hunger and the hunter. Um, and the, the one of the things I really like about hunter is how you can choose to focus on slaying monsters right um and i actually built my own uh cyber knight character was a psy stalker cyber knight which is really fun because it wasn't possible in the original uh riffs material but i don't think it's one of those things that that uh would make kevin turn over i don't know he's not in his grave right but i mean kevin turn over you know look at me with disgust we'll see what he says when i meet him but um if any if i i, I might just hide that one but uh <laughs> yeah yeah, I think that uh, this is one of those things where it, there's just some cool things we can put in here and have fun with it, and it works in Savage Worlds. Um, it, it, it works with the system, and I think it works with the Rift's lore, and I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, quick flex. Uh, definitely addition of alien psycho- uh, physiology. I definitely knew a lot of folks that had talked about uh, quick flex juicers and, and crazies, so now those are off the table. Yeah, um, this is one of those cases where um, I think that is definitely doesn't fit the canon. Um, but part of the thing about the quick flex is that you do start with D8 agility. So <laughs> you should have uh, very, very close to getting juicer crazy level reaction times with your quick flex um, when you build them, especially if you go for a Mars framework and uh, get, you know, get another advance for one of your uh one of your your core um attributes as well and no other major changes with them uh with the pass through oh yeah um the big changes uh is that uh their alien physiology allowed us to get the quick edge for them which they're quick flex so quick edge just seemed like a no-brainer oh yeah i guess that does make kind of make sense <laughs> All right, the Simvin, everybody's favorite cannibals. <laughs> yeah, the Simvin are interesting. Um, I they're, they're some of my favorite bad guys, right? Um, I think they're really great addition. One of the things that really, when you get, dig into it, really defines a lot of riffs, North America especially. They they bring a lot of flavor to the setting. Um, but in this case, uh, besides clarifying some of the uh, 
some of the language in here and, and exactly how things are applied. Uh, the sim van are largely the same. Of course, uh, with the the new test playtest book out, the idea of Simvin, Shaman, Spirit Warriors, or Psy Warriors is kind of scary. Yeah, I think that uh, that the the Shaman, you know, Psy Warriors, whether you're playing a Psy Stalker, uh, your character is a you know uh, Native American or a Simvan, I think we'll see a lot of really cool character options. Uh, using using a lot of the stuff that's coming out of the new books. Alrighty, Trimador once again, uh, alien physiology added to this guy. So adding that, what uh, what was given to them on the flip side? Hmm. Um. So with this. Uh, Yeah, the main thing is that they gain um, an extra skill option on their technically savvy racial note. Ah, okay. Racial ability. So they'll be just a little more able out the box. And officially, they're big boned. Yes, they're officially big boned. Um, <laughs> just uh, rename that to, to, to fit the 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 lore a little bit, but it's 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 essentially the same the same uh, hindrance. Cool. We got anything else to add about DBs and mutants before we move on? Uh, not a ton. You know, this is the main thing is that uh, as we're I mean, and it's just a call out to anybody. Um, you know, as we're working on making this the best, we want this to be the best edition uh, of riffs. Uh, ever, <laughs> of course, and uh, so one of the one of our big objectives is to make sure that that the that the lore and the the rules mesh uh, as 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 best as we can get them to. So um, any feedback that anyone has, I mean, Riffs is huge. Riffs has so many books and so much lore that uh, if you see anything, even just it looks like a little bit of an error, uh, you know, let us know on the forums. We really want to get this one right. Uh, we want to trace, stay true to that that original Rift's vision, and uh, you know we welcome everybody's thoughts. Um, I do read every comment um, and every post, so yeah, we we would appreciate uh, any feedback we can get. Um, and you know, with especially with how these DBs work, a lot of times just making sure that we get we only have so much space to put on say each DB page entry, but uh, especially if we can, uh, if we need to. To add a little bit of wording here or tweak some tweaks tweak a phrase phraseology there um let us know and we can do that especially with the the negative racial ability charts that are a little bit more robust at the very beginning of the section traits there definitely have been some new added like traits to the uh to savage rifts with this new pass through were a lot of these tied to the suede update Yes, so most of these traits were tied to the suede update, um, or making sure that we could. Some of it was well, actually it was all pretty much tied to the suede update uh, in one way or another. But in in the end, it was about sure that we could express the the really crazy high adventure, um, post high post apocalyptic high adventure, I guess you call it, of 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 savage rifts in uh, in as suede a way as possible. 
So uh, we we did we do have a few new trait abilities here under the trait section. So the first one is anti personnel uh, in in Savage Rifts, but a lot of modern combat games. Uh, you've got weapons like uh, a lot of robot vehicles in Savage Rifts have have an, have anti has weapons that are are specifically intended for anti personnel use. And so making sure that we had an anti personnel tag that we could throw onto them. Uh, so that they could fire those weapons without penalty. You know, if you've got a, you don't want to, to make sure that we're not using a scale modifier for an anti-personnel weapon was something that was important to us. And then um, along with the innate abilities, uh, one of the things is that if you just allow someone to activate abilities as often as they want, that really can break the uh, action economy, which has been more more refined in the, the Adventure Edition update of savage worlds so with the innate abilities we've 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 done a similar refining here so that uh if something is an innate ability you can activate it once per you can activate once per round um a an innate ability and then after that you do have to pay um you have to pay your uh extra actions and the and the accompanying penalties for that um the next trait the big one is nimble and this is, we've also added Uncanny Reflexes. So Uncanny Reflexes was pioneered by the Juicer and the Crazy, They're getting a minus two to be hit by an attack. Um, in addition, when they are being attacked by template weapons, they have plus two to their evasion rolls in general. It also helps to when, when they're, they're, they're being targeted by template weapons. Um, and then we've, we've refined the wording to, to clearly explain how this may stack with other uh, edges or uh, considerations like the speed penalty charts and stuff like that. Um, and then nimble is is similar to uncanny reflexes, but it's just a minus one to be hit and a plus one to evasion rolls as opposed to a minus two and plus two to evasion rolls of the uncanny reflexes. Um, and one of the big differences for nimble is that we have included it on a lot of your very, very nimble power armor suits that may have really crazy jet engines and, and improve strength and speed. So that to reflect the, their, their maneuverability, maneuverability on the battlefield. Okay. So you also added unstoppable yet. I have not seen anything with that ability listed yet. Right. So you haven't seen anything with unstoppable yet, but you will. And unstoppable has been added so that, uh, when you have something like a vampire intelligence uh, or Nixla, uh, you're not able to, you can only deal um, one wound from an attack. And that just helps to bring that flavor over that you've got some of these, these enemies are just so big, so tough that you're just not going to be able to, to kill them in one, with one hit. Okay. I, I have not read those, uh, ent- the entries in, uh, Arcana and mysticism just yet, so. Yeah, no problem. All right, so the attributes and skills for the most part is unchanged from the original, other than like adding the new wording for the new skills from Suede. Yeah, largely unchanged, um, and then just making you know clarifying how you would apply the new the the the, the adventure edition skills to different. Of applications of cybernetics use is a pretty big one. Um, one thing that I did want to make sure was clear to everyone is that uh, the electronic skill 
is is really important when you're dealing with all the different advanced electronics and equipment in the setting. Um, and a cult is primarily used um, after talking with Shane. We decided to make sure to clarify that a cult is what you would use now that that's a standard skill is what you would use to um, very positively identify magic, or, you know, arcane items, uh, powers and uh, creatures. Um, previously, it was survival was used to identify creatures. Okay. But uh, with the addition of the occult skill, uh, we we needed to make sure we deconflicted that. So that is why occult uh, has that very specifically listed. And uh, again, power armor uh, and robot vehicles, jetpacks, hover cycles, um, and advanced hovercraft all use the piloting skill. Um, whereas if you, you know, there could be a question whether some of those would use driving or athletics or something like that. Okay, sweet. So, um, and- the, oh, changes. There were also changes to languages and literacy. So we refined the language list and where they where those languages might be spoken in some cases. Uh, actually, that leads me to a different question. How do you differentiate, uh, like the? Uh, illiterate um, hindrance in uh, Savage Rifts versus in uh, Suede? Oh, yeah. Uh, Great question. So um, with the illiterate hindrance in Savage Rifts, it's a little bit different than... Now, if you read in Savage Worlds, illiterate means that you are both poor with numbers um, and you don't read well. Um, In Savage Rifts... Now, one of the, the, the things, though, is that in Savage Rifts, illiteracy is way more common um on the flip side of that the literate hindrance may be common but it it doesn't affect your character's ability with basic math um because character you know denizens of rifts earth have to deal with with basic math on a a pretty pretty daily basis with all the different advanced equipment that they might use even in the even in the most are you know remote village or settlement um, if they have any sort of technological equipment at all. Okay, cool. Uh, Anything else, I guess, uh, talking about illiterate, that actually leads into hindrances. Any other major things you want to point out on the hindrances? Nope, that's it. Okay, Uh, of course, there's a lot of different edges. Um, Instead of going through edge by edge, is there any... uh, overall uh, philosophy with uh, any of the adjustments to the edges that you made? Yeah. So we tried, we we decided to break down the edges by um, the iconic edges, especially by the um, framework that they belong to so that it would be easier for someone to go that was say playing a combat cyborg or a cyber knight and just read through the edges that were available. Um, One of the big additions here is that, the different um, abilities that the, the dragon hatchling could take as they um, as they leveled up have been broken out as specific iconic edges available to dragon hatchlings. Um, there are some uh, as well some dragon hatchling edges that are specific to um, different uh, breeds of dragon hatchlings, like the flame wind dragon hatchling, for instance. Um, and let's see. Um, I approve of the changes to Psy Shield. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't see a reason to penalize a Psy 
uh, a cyber knight for you know using both that and this high sword at the same time um in fact that was a reason that i believe a lot of players were not using it um let's see and with the combat edges some of the edges some deconflicting where you know some of the edges did things that once uh, the adventure edition was revised and and they, we finished all the different uh, evolutions of it um there was there there were some of them that overlapped now so i guess they were such great ideas that they were incorporated in one way or another into the adventure edition so uh, there was some work to deconflict that with the power edges um there's the addition of the blaster uh expert blaster and master blaster edges and those allow um any of your characters that are using blast bolt burst stuff like that to increase the damage dice um through an un- a power modifier power modifier that's unlocked by each edge so um you can get your leyline walker or your mystic tossing out really powerful bolts uh or spheres of annihilation as you would call it in uh the old version of rifts right uh so some really powerful uh, uh, potential for characters to really do some really great stuff and keep up with the big boys and throw throw stuff that could knock out even the biggest robot vehicles in the or demons in the setting um we also added uh the possession edge um that is a huge one for the mind melter it is and and even though it doesn't list the mind melter as uh, as it being a specifically iconic edge for them, it is basically out. Of, if you're looking at the characters from the Tomorrow Legion Players Guide, it that's the only one that can take it straight out the gate. Um, so the possession edge is um, the, most of the stuff that you can do in 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 the original pretty easy to do in Savage Worlds um, or in Savage Rifts. Once we've added all the you know all the new power modifiers, the mega power modifiers. But possession is not quite the same in Rifts as it is in Puppet, and I think it's very iconic for the setting. And so um, Shane and I worked really hard on this one to make sure that it was something that was balanced and made sense and was usable. And I know that, you know, it actually, so in, in Rifts, you can actually, uh, a, a powerful psychic can actually inhabit the body of target victims and control them and possess their body. Um, as opposed to just mentally influencing them to do things. So this is this is what the possession edge does. Um, and so I think we did a pretty good job on it. There have been some questions on um, some minutia on exactly how you might deal with uh, using abilities or you know what to do in X Y Z situation when using this edge um, because there's a lot of weird edge cases that you can get into. But I think that it, overall we've done a pretty good job and we'll be looking at uh, tightening up the language a little bit as we move forward. Um, let's see. Telemechanics has been has been updated a bit. Um, before, one of the problems we had with telemechanics is, uh, you know, Shane, Shane and I had some discussions about it because it, it did more than just, it was more than one edge's worth of effects. It was basically duplicating the ace edge and some other edges um, when you used it. And so we tried to make sure that that was deconflicted and that it uh, did not give you extra edges for free, essentially. And that uh, we, we clarified what type of systems telemechanics can work on. So 
can't take over someone else's cybernetic or bionic systems. You can't take over, uh, autom- you know, intelligent machines like, um, like robots, like the the Skelebot or something like that, using telemechanics. Okay. Um, all right. I just clicked off. Uh, if the professional edges uh, seem to cross the board stay the same, although you were talking about uh, adding some verbiage for like major and master psych- uh, psionics that would add some powers to the generic psionic list. Yeah, we're adding a little bit to the um, master psionic uh, edge so that uh, it does unlock the ability to gain elemental manipulation. And then if, when you choose an elemental manipulation, that that unlocks that trapping for that, say it's electrokinesis, pyrokinesis, hydrokinesis, telekinesis. Um, and then you can then use that that trapping on your other psionic powers. Um because that is one of the things in Rifts is that you do have um, psychics, masters, master psionics that that do unlock the abilities of those different kinesis, I guess you'd call them. Um, with Master of Magic, uh, we are clarifying. There is clarified language coming to show that that uh, it will be usable by the Techno Wizard. So make sure that that's just clear for everyone. There's been some questions. Um, and that those are the major changes uh besides robot uh armor or should be robot vehicle jock but uh power armor jock and robot vehicle jock allowing you to uh use the those different vehicles but also requiring electronics and piloting skills and of course you can't use robot jock for trademark purposes <laughs> <laughs> right uh, and then um, with the social edges, there was actually a lot of work done on uh, reworking how I know a guy works exactly. And so um, I think it's a little more interesting um, the way that it's applied now. It's a little more clear um, how to use it in an ongoing campaign where you might be heading to new areas instead of the same kind of the same beats that you had before. Um, and make sure that it was deconflicted. One of the issues that was brought to my attention is that we need to deconflict it from just the connections edge. It was just in some ways better. Hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Any other thoughts for any other social edges for Savage Rifts? Well, um, we do have uh, plenty of stuff coming in the new books. Um, as far as social edges in empires of humanity, there are new social hindrances, which I think will be very interesting for a lot of players. Um, interesting specifically. All right. Gear. So one of the big things with gear is in the very beginning. Now there's the standard starting gear that, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, this was, you know, it's weird when you get, a character that says, look at this character's gear, and then the next character, you go to that character and says, okay, you get this stuff plus this other character's gear. So um, we're trying to make sure that we eliminate um, that kind of stuff uh, so that you just look in one central place. Um, and so standard starting gear was the way to do that. And um, that way, could cut, uh, also that cuts down on, it might seem like insignificant, but if you can cut down on that repetition in... Uh, Enlist. It helps to help us to save a little bit of room to jam a little more new 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 content into the book. 
Um, but yeah, we've got uh, this is pretty pretty standardized now. The amount of credits and valuable uh, gear that you might start with, so that gives players a little more option to to take those those credits. And uh, when it's when it's when it's specifically for gear and valuables, you can go grab some minor gear and valuables for your character. Um, and uh, you get some, I think, some meaningful choices between taking Huntsman Medium Personal Armor or the Plastic Man Light EBA, uh, and that the Plastic Man is EBA, but the Huntsman gives you a little more protection. Um, and you can grab your standard NG33 laser pistol or Wilkes 320 laser pistol as your sidearm, and uh, yeah, move forward with your character. All right, and so overall, most of the stuff like Conspiracy of Commerce... Um, other than changing how things were laid out, uh, were there any major changes up until you actually get to the gear itself? Actually, yeah, conspiracy of commerce. I want. I think everybody should go back and read through it. Um, I've done massive changes to this section of the book. We had a lot of questions. People were confused about uh, how credits work, and it's uh, it's one of those things that Palladium uh, Kevin Sembiedi even wrote up a really interesting post online. Um, regarding the commerce and monetary system of Rift's Earth. And um, it's one of those things to really dive into, right? Uh, but uh, I, I felt like I was able to collect all of the information that was available in the source material and in some of the errata and different things that Kevin's written online and make sure that we had a very clear presentation for our players here. Um, we also have it presented, if you're trying to hack a credit card, cred card we don't say that you can't do it, but we do... Um, clarify that uh, that's not going to be as easy as it may have seemed in the previous text, which I I don't think was the intention, but uh, yeah, the way that it was being applied in, in campaigns from some of the feedback we got was, I don't think uh, how it was intended to be. So uh, we've clarified a lot of that and some of the repercussions and, and uh, ins and outs of trying to, to hack cred cards, um, as well as uh, there is slightly updated text coming that it that uh, the computing equipment, the quantum computing equipment, is actually uh, supercomputer sized computing equipment that is very uncommon on on Rift's Earth. Um, so that should help everyone understand if they want to do a caper for it. But I mean, if you really want to make a lot of money hacking or or changing cred cards, you're probably it's probably going to take some sort of Ocean's Eleven type caper to do it. Cool. I do like with uh, like selling gear, for example, you do bring in the common knowledge and networking uh, mechanics into that as well. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure that we described that what items might be restricted in different parts of uh, of Rift's Earth, and then how you will use the new networking rules, um, and how that applies to selling gear and technical difficulties and things like that. Um, and uh, also, just so players know, take a look at that Techno Wizard Devices entry um, on page 82. There are some big updates coming. We've made some big updates there in, in the, the version that's out for playtest right now. And the next version will have even bigger updates on that. We're really working hard to make sure that Techno Wizardry gear is as clear and plain and simple to use as possible in the setting. Cool. It's uh, definitely an iconic part of the setting, so getting it right is is important. Yeah, and we're also trying to consolidate it so that you don't have to go look at, you know, three different parts of the book to get a clear picture. Right? Um, you know, not to not to fault the 
the the original design team or anything like that at all. It's just that techno wizardry is very complicated, and so um, we've made a lot of effort to try and make sure that the presentation here is as consolidated and as simple as possible. Um, although most of everything moved over to the techno wizard section of the iconic framework um, entry, but uh, this this section is here. Uh, clearly in the devices section um, and then is referenced uh, throughout the text as we move forward. Um, sorry, uh, one of the things, sorry, I was just looking up the specific verbiage. Um, how would you apply the uh, uh, the setting rule from Suede where instead of using actual like dollars and cents, you just use a uh, like a money roll? The wealth system? Yes, the wealth system. So there is a big update on that coming in um, the Tomorrow Legion field guide. To ah, put okay. it simply. So, yeah, I, I'd love, I'll just tell you, like, um, wait for that. <laughs> it's all right up. Noted. All right, so anything, uh, of course, with the way, as we talked in the first one across the board, how uh, Suede adjusted, like, modifiers being applied and stuff like that, I'm assuming that was a specific part of how a lot of the changes happened with most of the gear. Yeah, so there's an effort here for to make sure that we are clear about the, avail the gear availability, because in Suede they do... In the wealth section, for instance, in the networking section, it discusses the availability of items. And so we wanted to give, again, without giving you like, uh, well, you know, find that right balance between clearly identifying things or, or, or just letting, letting the game master go wild west on it. But we've gotten a lot of feedback on um, of, of various types of, uh, regarding um how available equipment can be, what it is like to sell it or buy it. And so we're trying to make sure that that uh, has some pretty clear guidelines listed so that as, as players, you know, take on the, the craziness that is Rift's Earth, they have some, uh, some, some, some good, some good uh, examples to fall back on here as players and game masters especially are trying to do this. Okay. And uh, yeah, so then that's the gear availability. And then the next section is adventuring gear. And we did move this so that it, uh, it repeats the, the order of presentation that is in the new adventure edition. So that this should all be just a little bit more familiar as you're moving through it, um, you know, when you've got the two books cracked open next to each other. Oh, interesting. I did not even notice that. That's cool. Uh, anything in particular for the adventuring gear section you'd like to point out? Um, we do have some, the, the initial text uh, has been updated. There's another update coming to it um, just to clarify how you would use it in concert with uh, the, the adventure edition of Savage Worlds um, and how it would be used, say, with other, other books like the Sci-Fi Companion and stuff like that. Um, but the idea is that um, we want to make sure that everyone understands that the adventure edition of Savage Worlds, uh, Suede, you can use all the equipment that's in there. Um, except for the one, the items that are marked futuristic, like the lasers and stuff like that, because they work a little differently than the the rifts lasers. But um, but yeah, overall, 
uh, the Adventure Edition of Savage Worlds is a really great resource for weapons and items and gear that you can use uh, without, you know, we don't want, there's no reason to reprint them. They're, they're presented very well in the new text. Um, the, com- the field computer ha- uh, has been uh, dialed back a little bit so that it's just grade one and two available. Um, and we've been a little more specific on, on what kinds of roles you can apply those to. Um, let's see. Um, there have been, we've added uh, miles per hour um, entries for the jetpacks. And I believe we have an update coming that has people requested more uh, tabletop, uh, you know, effective tabletop uh, pace that they could use on the tabletop because uh, without entering full narrative or vehicle movement, um, people have been asking for those guidelines to help them out. Um, and then let's see, uh, there was the addition of the, the field repair kit. Um, and as well as, uh, the NGS two survival pack has been consolidated and refined in its effects. And we did add the multi-optics helmet and the multi-optics scope as, uh, I think items that anybody who likes guns or super cool riffs, futuristic vision abilities should take a look at those entries. So those are, those are available now for people to use straight out of the core rule book. There is one piece of common uh, adventuring equipment that is listed but is not in your section or the adventure edition. Which one is that? The stake. <laughs> it is that only, is, it's only listed is that... in the uh, horror companion. Oh man. Um, well, let me look. I got blood and veins right here. Do we have? I think we have a stake in here. Man, if we don't have a stake in blood and veins, I'm I'm gonna quit. <laughs> you heard it here first, Bert. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna have to. Ooh. I'm gonna have to stop the presses. <laughs> hey, one of the things uh, a lot of people uh, tend to miss is all the stuff that's actually included in the uh, survival pack to include like a knife and radio and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, there is all that. So, yeah, man, we didn't de- we didn't define the stake clearly. That's crazy. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It says under the cross that it can be used as a stake, which does strength plus D4 ah, damage. Okay. So, I mean, I guess we kind of have the entry. Um, <laughs> we, we do need to, that needs to be a little clearer, though. You're right. All right, body armor. Body armor. So, um, one of the big changes here with, that has come with uh, body armor is that um, we have standardized basically how the embedded toughness affects the body armor. Uh, there's been a slight increase to embedded toughness. And then we've also standardized the term EBA, environmental body armor, and exactly what that protects you from and how that works. And uh, yeah, so now if it, if a body armor has EBA uh, tag in its name, you know that it is environmental body armor. And you refer back to the the beginning of the section to see exactly what uh, hazards it protects you against. Awesome. I do like some of the things that got added in here, kind of like the uh, Army Surplus Padded Battlefield Light EBA. 
Yeah, I mean, just while we were making sure that uh, we had covered all the bases so that, uh, yeah, all the basic stuff would be in here. Um, and I think that everything fits a need, right? So you've got so your kind of super cheap go-to body armor there for the uh, old Mark II Battlefield Light EBA uh, built or provided by, reproduced or reconditioned by Golden Age Weaponsmiths to everything from that up to your Crusader heavy body armor. Uh, heavy EBA. So um, you will notice that anything that is listed as light armor has a plus one toughness bonus. Medium is plus two and heavy is plus three. Oh, okay. So you standardize that across the board. Yep. And now everything also has strength listed. Of course, these were all text entries before. So um, we did uh, save a little bit of space by providing them in chart format like this. And we're able to, I think it's going to be a little more easily digestible and we don't lose a lot of flavor because um, each section we, we start off with a, a, a little bit of a narrative description of exactly what kind of armor players are getting when they use it. Cool. And of cool. course, uh, as people have given you the feedback, of course, the formatting on the color for the charts. <laughs> yeah, this is quick and dirty. Um, and so we're, we're, this is definitely not the final formatting for the charts they're going to look just like the rest of the charts and in fact uh, we are going to be increasing the contrast on the charts overall compared to the the previous edition so uh but in in the interest of just getting this to the players uh it, it, it they have the current appearance that they do in the playtest document um let's see under the i did also break out the armor by by manufacturer besides the old classic body armors so, and we've added some options like the uh, with Northern Gun, we've got the the Maverick riding armor, the Cannonball ride armor, stuff like that. Cool. I'm I'm assuming we'll see plenty of new Northern Gun stuff in Empires of Humanity. Oh yeah, there's tons of new. Uh, there's be Northern. Uh, we'll see. We've got uh, Northern Gun. Well, so yeah, we've got Northern Gun stuff. I don't know if we have Northern Gun body armor. Um, we do have um, Manistique Imperium. Uh, Vaquero body armor as well as body armor from uh, and weaponry from the Naruni Enterprises. Nice. Well, you, you also know cheap well stuff? You gotta go on the low, the, the money saver end, right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have the room for the chip well stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we've got a lot of good stuff in there. We've also got Big Boar, the um, Bandito Arms, uh, weaponry and then um you've got the uh some of the bandito arms body armor is listed in blood and veins nice of course uh with this book of course you added in like we talked about a little bit earlier cyborg body armor and expanded the juicer body armor section a little bit yeah so we did do that um we've got the cyborg body armor and and there is you know we we discussed that all with the cyborg earlier but um we would like feedback on this trying to make sure that we retain uh the flavor and and ba- and the game balance that is necessary here um and then with the yeah we added options for the juicers and uh the titan plate armor anybody that's running like a grackle tooth or another big big character take note that the titan heavy plate has a variant that not that uh that non-juicer DBs can use at no penalty as well. And, uh, of course, that being a hint at uh, some of the juicer modifications that are coming. 
Yes. All right, powered armor. Uh, one of once again one of the places I love the most. Um, what are some of the updates uh, that was made to this section? So again, like the like the previous body armor section, we tried to make it a little easier to read and break down um, for game master players when they look at it. We've got a little bolded section with titles, so we've 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 just uh, clearly defined uh, how the piloting and why the power armor jock edge is as it is. Um, under piloting, under arcane backgrounds, uh, we do describe how uh, ma- magic and miracles, uh, PP-based backgrounds, are not able to cast while wearing power armor because of their their need to um, be able to perform gestures and connect with the energies outside the suit. But uh, characters using psionics like um, powers and inner strength points, ISP, um, the penalties that they might face. Uh, are let or well, and it's possible to use them, especially if they open the fa- uh, 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 near the helmet's faceplate or remove the the helmet entirely. So, will um, those uh, limits apply to the techno wizard powered armors in uh, Arcane and Mysticism as well? Absolutely. Okay. Cool. And then um, we've gone through and just you know clear- clearly again uh, updated some of the penalties. Um, we discussed, Shane and I discussed a lot of this um, to make sure that we had a clear presentation for the penalties to using stealth and different interaction based uh, skills and things like that um, with the, with while wearing power armor. Um, and uh, as well as we have standardized the features of power armor um, in this section as well, so that we don't have to repeat that on every entry. That makes sense. All right, and uh, of course, with some of the ones like the Flying Titan, you added Nimble into the Notes section, and pretty much everything across the board has gotten a tactical speed and a miles per hour speed as well. Right, so we want to make sure that, uh, you know, if you have a mixed kind of combat or, you know, battle on the tabletop between, say, a dragon and a suit of power armor, that you're easily able to have them all move with their using their pace. Um, around the tabletop, but you know we also have the uh, miles per hour, of course, listed for use in narrative chases and other vehicle rules. So, uh, but just this gives uh, game masters and players uh, just a little bit um, an easy reference to how to use these in in maybe some of the more nitty gritty uh, tabletop tabletop applications, um, as well as we've you'll notice that with a lot of these weapon entries. Uh, especially with when many missiles are concerned. Uh, there's a lot more variation that harkens back to the canon of how, how you use, how many mini missiles can be fired, how many shots are available for power armor, stuff like that, which I think is going to add a lot of interesting, uh, you know, tactical uh, considerations to, to the game. Okay. So weapons in general, I mean, before we talked about kind of the increase in uh, some of the MDC uh, weapons, uh, infantry style weapons uh, in this section, uh, any other major things? I actually liked the addition of some of the different, like you just talked about, the differences of how you could use guided and unguided missiles as well. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of clarifications like that in here um, in general. And there's a lot of really great stuff that's come in the Adventure Edition of Savage Worlds that we we get to work with now. 
So you, you're using a lot of the rules that might apply, say, to a machine gun, to your to your rail guns, um, and then we've tried to make sure that it's easy to to apply missiles, like mini missiles, especially to combat in in rifts, um, because they, they, there's a real there's a specific feel that the Palladium system had and maintained. There are a lot of interesting uh, considerations, and, and I think it was very cinematic. And so we wanted to make sure we brought that same feel to to Rifts for Savage Worlds. Um, at the same time, there's a lot of balancing considerations to be done. Um, so we have gone through and kind of not been afraid to look, take a, a, a fresh look at everything and make sure that, uh, that yeah, that uh, this was all set up in a way that that uh, would be provide a balanced play experience for 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 other gamers. Um, one thing that has been added here at the beginning of the section is that uh, it, we do have rules for if you really want to try and tap into a nuclear generator or something like that to recharge your eclipse and other weapons, you can do it. But if you don't if you, if you don't do it right, you might flood the area with ra- with radioactive waste. Um, and then uh, I like that addition. And then let's see. Um, yeah, everything has been has is now using the adventure edition format, so that at the beginning of the section of you know each chart or section, uh, it'll tell you the uh, key words and different things that are that are used in that in, for those different types of weapons. Alrighty. Um, there was some discussion. Uh, somebody put up a pretty big post about uh, kind of your equivalent, you know, like you've got like particle beams and plasma guns and and mini missile launchers for your kind of higher end shooters. But there doesn't seem to be a higher end melee weapon with the exception of like the, the thunder hammer. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's that's basically how rifts is unless uh you get to a lot of the more powerful techno wizardry items and uh yeah that's just that's a that's a kind of a trapping of the setting right so um you know our, one of our big goals is to stay true to the setting i don't think that um that's um a big problem though because your higher end melee weapon users have access to all kinds of edges and as well as most of the you know melee weapons use the character's strength and then add bonus damage on top of that, right? So um, there are we do have giant vibro swords, right? I mean, strength plus D twelve plus one with AP six, reach one. I mean, uh, <laughs> there are some pretty cool things that you can use uh, straight out the gate. Uh, you put that into the hands of a of a high powered character or or one into each hand. Uh, I think you've got some pretty powerful melee options here. True. I like the fact that you guys uh, did keep the chain weapons uh, in the uh, official playtest version. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of this was just making sure that everything was as close to the canon as possible as we went through and reviewed. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we've got we've definitely got the chain weapons in here um, for sure. And they use a little bit more of the the adventure edition mechanics that uh, for the chain sword, for instance, that you see on the chainsaw in the adventure edition. Cool. Uh, one of the things I definitely liked with adventures edition that you do keep in or do a callback to is how all the different things you can do with grenades. 
Um, so with like cover rules and shortening the time, like the hot potato rule, that's uh, uh, pretty nice, I think. Yeah, there's some great rules, and so uh, I mean, I just I felt like it was really liberating to be able to just say, hey, use these rules, and here's some extra stuff, and it was a lot of fun to to uh, to take that approach of, hey, here's this special word and what it does, and now I can put it on, put that tag that onto each weapon that has that that special ability, uh, as opposed to having to explain it on each entry or something, or in, or you know, five pages earlier. Um, which can be a real disconnect, right? If you're looking at a chart and trying to use it in a battle um, on the tabletop, uh, but you have to keep flipping back and forth. Uh, now that we have all those things described at the top of the section, I think it's it's. Uh, I'm not as afraid to to apply those things as I would have been if it was formatted differently. Yeah, and the one nice thing even in uh, suede that they actually added in, as they just said across the board, all. Uh, damage dealing grenades or heavy weapons because that wasn't the case in the past. Right. Um, other than that, uh, instead of, are there any specific uh, weapon systems you want to drill down into? Um, <laughs> not especially. I just, you know, we've got a lot of different things going on here. So if everybody wants to take a look at it, um, most weapons uh, have uh, grenades are largely the same as our grenade launchers, um, but uh, ion weapons have had a little bit of changes with the the way that they work with three round bursts and dealing mega damage. Uh, plasma weapons have shifted a little bit. Uh, they now have the it burns tag, and so uh, they targets will catch fire if you if you get a raise. Uh, Want to make that a simple thing to apply? No no extra rolls. Um, easier to remember and apply in combat and i think it's still very very thematic um we did separate out particle beam weapons um and so there's an option now for players to wield weapons that have some pretty pretty mean effects or even for you know npcs i think that game masters should just consider carefully before they start shooting the rogue scholar with particle beam weapons um when you know if they're in a combat where there's other other big combat hosses and monsters right and uh, just make sure that you're considering very carefully whether you're <laughs> a character armed with a weapon like that wants to absolutely annihilate his target or not. Um, but uh, I think they're very thematic and going to be a lot of fun. Um, and when someone pulls pulls out a particle beam weapon, people are going to take notice. Um, let's see, with laser weapons, uh, they're largely the same. I mean, there's been a, slight, a balancing pass on some of the damage here. Um, because damage in general has gone up a little bit in the adventure edition, especially as you curve into the the vehicle range weapons. So uh, we just try and make sure that we have a nice nice curve there for the damage. Um, and then uh, there are a couple of new weapons, like we added the the tracks pump pistol, um, the JA twelve one man army laser rifle, um, and. Uh, I added in some extra infantry rail guns because uh, tracks weapons as of 109 PA are not as available as um, the other native manu- native North American manufacturers like Northern Gun or Bandito Arms, and so just made sure to add an option there that's a little a little more lore friendly for other player for players to use. And then um, yeah, let's see missile launchers. There's a lot of cool stuff here with dumb firing and and uh, firing 
volleys of uh, missiles at targets. Um, there's a lot of new techno wizardry ranged weapons as well. Uh, really expanded that list with some of the 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 room that we saved, and uh, I think there's a lot of really cool options there for characters to use. Um, and then vehicular weapons, we've got anti personnel uh, levels of a lot of weaponry now, uh, which makes is going to make it easier as we move forward with making different you know kitting out different robot vehicles and and vehicles in the setting which commonly have those. Um, we have broken out all the different types of warheads for your missile launchers. And uh, yeah, overall, trying to just make sure that everything is uh, is working as smoothly as possible. I like that you added in the hand-carried weapon uh, into that, because then, you now differentiating like on a Samus, well, is that railgun really built in, or is it just being carried? Yeah, that that is that is a consideration. And one of the things here is that uh, it, it's no longer your. It's just the the number of mods is the size that you need to be able to handily carry that weapon. Um, on the same note, uh, there is an update coming. Mini railgun uh, instead of being two mods for some reason will be one mod, and then you'll build up from there. So light railgun will be two. Medium rail going to be three, heavy rail going to be four. So uh, that should help deconflict any issues there with what weapons a Samus could carry as well. Okay. Or other similarly man sized power armor. Cool. All right, vehicles All right, overall. Uh, same thing uh, with the setting up in the table format a lot more, but uh, anything major in the vehicle section? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of things. So. Um, We've changed the for the uh, we've added a, the ATV designation, uh, which acts as four wheel drive from the the deluxe edition of Savage Worlds. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the uh, adventure edition of Savage Worlds. Uh, also consolidated the environmental crew compartment and provided very specific listings of how it interacts with different hazards from Savage Worlds. Um, and uh, let's see, we've updated exposed crew. We've been much more clear about hover the hover ability or the hover cycle ability for for vehicles um what it means to travel on ley lines and uh in techno wizardry vehicles how many power points they have in their in their batteries and stuff like that um and then we've consolidated the the targeting system or i forget what it's called the targeting suite and the sensor suite into the sensor targeting suite because they're virtually always paired um and provided and the nuclear powered tag so that it's easy, just easy. So this is just making sure that it's easy to note when we're, when we're setting up stuff in a table format, as opposed to a, a longer form text format. Um, but hopefully this will be really easy for people to read and understand. Cool. And, uh, pretty much similar with vehicles as, or robot vehicles as well. Yeah. Oh, and also we did add in, I had a hover cycle and the wastelander uh, motorcycle stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, for the uh, robot vehicles, uh, similar to power armor, we broke out, you know, piloting movement, falling combat, stomping into different bolded section titles. So that it's really easy to, in the, in the midst of gaming, uh, to see where you need to look to, to find the rule that you need. Um, and then we have added a matter of coordination sidebar, which uh, clarifies 
when you have multiple pilots in, say, a, a robot vehicle like the UAR-1 Enforcer or the NGV-61 Gunwolf, um, one person is going to be the primary pilot that's responsible for piloting the, the vehicle's arms and legs and running and movement and stuff like that, uh, whereas the other crew members would need to then operate other systems separately. So um, that way the, you don't have the same weapon system being used multiple times by... Uh, previously, you could only use a weapon system once per round. Uh, now there's the consideration you could use it more than once. So we break that down so it's a little bit easier for players to use. All right, so cybernetic section. Um, of course, a lot of this was brought into, we discussed a little bit of that um, with the combat cyborg. I guess uh, unless there's anything specific, uh, there was a lot of early discussion about the loss of the the actual skill slots for the cybernetics. Any, what's the specific reason behind that system being removed? Well, besides the fact that we don't have um, the adventure edition of the um, the rules for the sci- science fiction companion uh, to work with to make sure that there isn't any conflict, um, one of the big considerations too was how it balanced with a lot of other powers in the setting, uh, like boost trait, and then. Um, you know, looking back at it and saying, hey, one of the first considerations that we talked about um, when we're trying to resolve game balance issues is looking at it and saying, how does this fit with the original lore um, of the Rift setting and uh, Kevin's original vision and themes that he he brought about um, and where does it fit? And so that was one of the things that, uh, that we decided was going to just, uh, you know, wait until later supplements to better better enact it um, in, in full-fledged glory, say, in a future uh, supplement that would, say, cover the Mindworks uh, rules and uh, technology there. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, also leaving, possibly bringing something back in the future. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we, I, we, didn't, we don't like to take things away, and I feel like this... If everybody, you know, if you go through and look at all the stuff that's new, we've we've got there's a lot of new stuff in this in this uh, re- revised edition of Rifts for Savage Worlds, the Tomorrow Legion Players Guide. I think it's just chock full. I've shoehorned in as much new stuff as I can, um, and try and just make sure that everything is as useful as possible to our players. At the same time, uh, this was one case where we felt like there was an issue, and we need, just need to nip it in the bud and keep it simple. Um, and I think that uh, players are gain- still gaining a lot of other stuff, um, especially when you consider the new ability um, with the, uh, the weird science edge, the technological version of it. Um, you still got something that you can do there that could approximate them. Okay, cool. Well, before we had done uh, talked about powers and stuff like that and power modifiers, uh, and it is getting a little late. I know you're you've got some Gen Con prep that you're going to be uh, taking <laughs> care of, and of course I got work here shortly. So let's close out and talk about uh, the hero's journey changes. How did uh, how this cha- chapter change overall with the uh, updates to Suede and the revision? Yeah, so the hero's journey uh, tables. Um, well, first off, the narrative uh, hook table uh, tried to consolidate consolidate that a little bit, um, and so uh, I think that we did a good job of that. Um, and 
make sure that we save a little bit of space um, there so that we could provide a little more stuff in some other areas and clarify some rules. Um, and then with the all of these charts we went through and there was a big balance pass done to make sure that uh, it was all, each entry was worth about the same amount of points. Now, they're not all worth the exact same amount of points. And part of the reasoning is, is that um, if something's not directly combat focused, then uh, there sometimes there are there are a few extra points, you know, a point or two given on one of the hero's journey rolls, um, as opposed because it, it's still we want to make sure that it, there's there's a good there's that right trade off similar to you know a Mars framework versus an iconic framework, um, and and how that effect might work because a lot of the iconic frameworks are just better at combat when you look at them as opposed to the Mars frameworks, which are a little bit better at non-combat tasks. So some of these entries don't add up to the exact same thing, but that's intentional. But overall, uh, they've been reduced to about two builds points worth of effects. As well, uh, there are a lot of new entries for the body armor and weapons, um, uh, Hero's Journey charts. Uh, so that you should be able to have some really cool effects and it's all updated to work with the adventure edition um, and using some of the new stuff that's in the adventure edition um let's see that yeah. is most of it so so funny question with uh so now with cyborg armor and say let's say powered armor could you apply some of the modifications from the body armor table to either of those Um, you could to uh, body armor is not. Um, so a suit of body armor can be upgraded up to two times, but uh, with the fault with the results on the body armor table. But it it when it says suit of body armor, it's capitalized body armor. So specifically body armor in the body armor section, uh, that would apply to cyborg armor though. So cyborg armor, and then probably the uh, the gladius uh, hard suit kind of thing. Yeah, you could you could basically keep tagging stuff onto that gladius so that it's essentially <laughs> power armor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, actually, uh, one of the things that just jumped out to me, like the training uh, ones, now give plus three skill points as opposed to plus five, which makes sense. Right. So again, it's one of those areas where sure it's, it's still, that's really technically three build points, but, um, it, it there's it, the, it's intentional to be more balanced there. Right. Yes. Uh, I always, you know, I really liked the hero's journey, uh, aspect of it. And I do like, uh, from our previous discussion, how you're going to actually add some of that in, in the game master's guide as one of those dials that you can adjust, uh, for your style of play. But I always, to be honest, I generally avoided like the equipment based stuff and generally went with the stuff to enhance the character, like education, experience, training. Um, cause it, it, in my mind, it was a way to give my character more of a well-rounded, uh, aspect as opposed to highly specialized. Yeah. It's interesting. I've, I, I agree. I would, I would think that's the way to go. And I remember <laughs> I had a, a, a friend of mine, uh, he's actually a pretty famous actor. Um, uh, but, uh, it's John Gay really, I mean, I, I've seen him on like NCIS and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's a cool guy, but he, uh, 
he built this juicer and we, we he was building his juicer and I was like, yeah, you probably want to go with like all the stuff that is long term for your character where you can get extra skill points or edges or whatever. And he took everything and put it into uh, just put it into uh, equipment <laughs> and stuff like that. And man, it worked though. Out the gate, his juicer was ready to rock and roll. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, running around with an automatic grenade launcher and. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember everything that he got, but I think he applied it to weapons. So he was just tearing stuff up with his with his starting weapons. So um, and I, he might have even gotten uh, the rich edge. I can't remember, but yeah, I, I was just I was, it was one of those things where I was like, well, wouldn't you want to do this for long term? But man, he when I saw how powerful it was, I was like, okay, this is pretty long term. I think this is going to serve him well. So nice. That's. And that's kind of, you know, everybody comes at uh, those roles in a different way. So, Absolutely. Well, as as we would say on the military, we just basically did a line-by-line through this entire book. Yeah. Woo! Hope everybody appreciates it. (laughs) (laughs) And and we have six more to go. (laughs) Yep, we do. Well, uh, you're probably not going to release all six more of them in playtest version, I, I assume. I mean, I think we are going to be releasing all of them in playtest. I think that's the idea, yeah. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah, so we want to get as much feedback as we can. And I, I mean, just there's so many eyes you can put on these books, but yeah, they're 192 pages each. So uh, for the three new books, for instance, and we just want to get people looking at them and, and giving us our, their feedback so that we can... We can, uh, if we need to, make some changes. I mean, we're not perfect. We're human. We're doing our best. Um, and there's a lot of really experienced professionals at the helm um, of this project. But uh, we recognize that there's a lot of value we can gain. They learned a lot with uh, the Adventure Edition when they were going through the play test for that and how much it benefited the game. And, uh, you know, uh, we really want to make sure that we, we do the same for Savage Rifts and make sure it's the best, the best uh, game it can be so that we can be playing this game for, you know, years and years to come. So uh, we will be releasing. Um, I, I, uh, so we just released uh, uh, Arcane and Mysticism. I believe we're going to be doing a, a, a TLPG update next. And then it'll, um, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I believe I could be wrong. Uh, I think it might be Blood and Banes after that. So uh, we'll see how it goes. That's, But we will be releasing more stuff to playtest. Awesome. Well, look forward to seeing all of it. Uh, maybe we can uh, continue some kind of these discussions uh, down the road. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, we can definitely do that. And, well, so what are you looking forward to most at Gen Con? Um, <laughs> I've never been to Gen Con, so I'm just stoked about going to Gen Con. I think one of the big things I'm excited about is is meeting uh, Kevin Symbietta. Um, I'm also looking forward to uh, getting to see uh, Clint and Jody and hanging out with uh, with them. And uh, yeah, just uh, I've got some friends that are going as well. So um, and, and I'm excited for the spectacle and the the gaming and a little bit of reunions. You know, uh, it's interesting to be working with uh, you know people like uh, you know emailing Jody uh, almost every day or getting messages and back and forth and it's it's interesting you know that she lives on the other side of the country so 
being able to sit down and hang out. I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah, Jody's awesome. So Cool. All right. Well, Sean, I appreciate uh, you coming on and wading through this with me. And uh, if you all have any questions, please take it to the forums. Yeah, please. We we, we genuinely uh, care about riffs uh, for Savage Worlds and want to make sure it's the best game possible. So if, whether it's, uh, it's lore or it's, uh, you know, hardcore rules, we, we want to hear about it. Thanks. If you have any refugee questions, would like to leave a mission report, or submit a Legionnaire for Legionnaire's Last Call, please email me at voiceofhopepodcast at gmail.com. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area and interested in Savage Rifts or Savage Worlds, please look up the Facebook group, The Capital Savages. And finally, please join our community at MeWe Savage Rifts and check out savagerifts.com, the premier Savage Worlds play-by-post. The Voice of Hope is a Savage Rest fan podcast. The music and intro and prologue are Killers and Rhinos theme by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. The background sound effects are created by Sirenscape. Savage Worlds and Deadlands are copyrighted 2016 and trademarked to Pinnacle Entertainment Group, all rights reserved. Rifts in the Megaverse are registered trademarks of Palladium Books.